Hey y'all, Mace here, welcoming you to this replay play episode. Every once in a while, we like to go to the archives and find a favorite episode of ours and replay it for y'all. And so that's what you're getting today. You're getting one of my personal favorite episodes where we unpack play. Um, the reason why we're doing this episode as a replay is because in this last week, we actually got the chance to participate on in a live show with Kevin Garcia on their wonderfully made tour. Um, that audio will be released probably in the next few weeks, but it's just not out yet. And so we thought this would be a great episode to release because on this um, live show, we actually spoke a bit about wonder and we talked quite a bit about this idea of wondering and play and kind of getting in touch with a childlike wonder and listening to younger voices which is a theme that pops up a lot in this episode. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. I hope that you enjoy hearing us from a year ago talking about play. I hope this invites you to take yourself on a play date um, and enjoy this. I'm so excited for you to listen to this one and we'll catch you next week. I do think rules are actually a very important aspect of play. Play has to have rules and aspects to it. As a child or adult is playing, there are boundaries that are set in it. Yes. In this specific game, no, we don't, like, mm. this poison <laughs> doesn't actually kill you. Yeah. You know, like, that's a rule. We're all kind of playing by that standard that, like, well, if everybody dies, then we can't play the this game anymore. This is a anymore. good topic. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to No Small Thing, the podcast dedicated to helping you live a less certain and more curious life. I'm Scott. And I am Macy. Welcome to episode number 87. Bam, bam, bam. It is a oh. table tap drum roll okay. episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Play. Play. Play, play. This, play, this is play, in our play, wheelhouse. Play, it's play. like... We recently did listening. I think all mm -hmm. these things go together. Listening, curiosity, play. Yep. All of that, you know. There's there's something creativity. That, creativity. There's something that keeps the grabbing act, our what attention. we're doing here. This mm -hmm. whole actually what we're doing here is play. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This mm -hmm. has been a topic we have been thinking about for a while. Yeah. And then did was it you who suggested it? Mm, well, I don't know who suggested, suggested it, but together. I think both of us were like, Yep. Yeah. Like play, very absolutely. excited. One hundred percent. So this is so so fun. Mm. Big excitement energy. It seems, it does seem like an episode that will have legs, like that we will keep doing. Mm -hmm. This is probably true because I, I don't, I don't think I'm, I'm not, I'm not prepared as much as I would like. Like I am very prepared, but <laughs> sounds so fun. Like uh, I want. I have I read to a book. More Everybody, don't worry. Um, no, there's some concepts that I was introduced to this week that I'm not fully. I'm not fully able to articulate, but, but I do have enough to talk about for sure. Yeah. And I feel, so my job is working at a school that is play based curriculum. Mm -hmm. So I have the fact that I've spent 
all my day playing and observing children playing. That is like the lens in which I'll be approaching it. But I do feel like it is, I'm like, oh, but I still have so much to learn about play. Mm -hmm. Like I do this all day, every day. And, but I'm young and in the field and it's clear there is so much to uncover with what's happening in play. And it's such a rich, rich space to be in. So I am like, I don't even feel prepared to talk about play because I, cause, because <laughs> I am like, Shut it down. play is so beautiful and powerful. And it does feel like one of those things that's just like, oh. <clears throat> it's true. So let's try to get a little bit about what it is and why we're talking about it. Because I think 10 years ago, eight years ago, six years ago, if somebody said, oh, we're going to talk about play, and I saw that as a podcast episode, I'd be like, well, tennis? Like, <laughs> I, that, was, so, that would have been like the image that came to mind, like yeah. Yeah. cards. <laughs> is that what they're going to talk about? Like the idea of playing a game? And, and that's, that is, it, partially. It, it does. But I don't know. We're talking about it more in like a meta way and also more of like a clinical way. Like, what what is play? Like breaking it down, breaking uh, maybe down. Maybe a more like, like a, also a theoretical way. Theoretical way, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's not like like what is actually happening when you get involved in a game. What is psychologically flow, flow. creativity? All these things. Yeah, we had a person today coming in and talking about play and flow and the relationship they have, and I was like, ah, perfect. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, this is something that's just in terms of the overall arc of my life come into my field of vision fairly recently. Mm-hmm. like thinking thinking about play in a deeper way. Yeah, I don't think that, yeah, growing up, I had a sense of play's power. Well, I don't know. I but feel you like were really I had in a, sports. Which I was really in sports, but I also feel like I had a very rich childhood that, like, I had a lot of neighbors and, like, friends that grew up around me, and I feel like I had that, like, kind of quintessential, I could be playing anytime I wasn't at school. Me too, actually. So hmm. I always had a high value around play and always felt like I, that was, I think, I think being in spaces where I could play and be a kid and do all of that has helped me today. So I've always felt good vibes around it. You want to look something up? Should I, should we try and define what is play? Let's try. So the f- definition on just dictionary.com. Make sure to talk close to your mic. I am. Just making sure. <laughs> I'm just making sure. <laughs> I'm the one that has to go back and listen to this later. <laughs> um, engage in activity for enjoyment and recreation rather than a serious or practical purpose. Oh, well, that's good. That's actually good, I right? don't think it's good. Really? No. So can you read it again? Engage in an activity for enjoyment and recreation rather than a serious or practical purpose. I, I, okay. I, I, give it, I give it a... I give it, personally, I give it a B-. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a decent... I'm triggered by some words that are in there. Okay, what are some words? Like it's saying it can't be serious when I think play is very serious. Oh, well, now we're getting into it, <laughs> right? Now we are that, getting that into it. That is an aspect of play. That is part of maybe, it. Maybe, maybe not. So we're getting into some like... <laughs> I disagree. I think... Well, so so <laughs> this is great. Okay, so so let me get this straight. You're saying play is a very serious thing. Yes, and I definitely think it can be. I don't think it's juxtaposed with rather than a serious, a practical purpose. Like, I'm not saying play is always serious, but don't tell me play in its very definition is not being serious because I think there are very serious aspects to play and play should be taken seriously. Okay, I hear what you're saying, and I think I understand. (laughs) 
so let me just let me just offer another thought to that. I do think the idea and the activity of play is a serious idea and a serious activity that like in the sense that it's important, mm-hmm. you know? So we, it's not trivial. It may be the most important. So in that sense, Maybe. it's serious, but in order to enter into play, it seems like you have to not be so serious about I disagree. it. Really? Think about playing sports. Yeah, very that's seriously. true. You take it very seriously. Think about playing a game where you're a doctor uh, and you're in charge of your patient and you take that very seriously, what the I role like, is, how you're doing I it. I really, really <laughs> like where this conversation is going already. Because, no, I, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I know I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, even, I don't even have a pushback. It's an addition. It's like, how how... How does one get to the serious place of taking the role playing of a doctor? I feel like it's pretty easy to enter into that. I, I, but I'm, we're really in uncharted territory right now. And I love that this is, I'm really pumped right now about how right off the bat we're in this space. I think about my kids who come in and they're making art projects, which is play. Right now they're taking their projects completely seriously. Yes. They're wor- and when I sit down and I sit with a canvas, I'm in a whimsical mood. I'm in a certain state. It is play for me, but it is also serious. There is a level of severity. <laughs> right now I'm taking this conversation very seriously, which is playful, right? Right. Um but I don't know. Yeah, the podcast. The podcast. This is, <laughs> this play, is play, and Absolutely. we're also serious about it. Yeah, yeah. So maybe what we're saying is, is it's a, is it a yin and yang thing? Like, I, I will say this is like a teaser to to something we're going to talk about later with this book I read this week uh, from Donald Winnicott, who's known as like the the father figure of whatever that means of um, child psych- child psychoanalysis or something. <laughs> really interesting guy. Um, but he, his big thing that he keeps talking about in terms of play, like a core concept for him is that a paradox always has to be held in tension. Like paradoxes in a child's mind and even an adult's mind should not, in certain cases, be resolved. Hmm. And so I wonder if this is a similar Do you have an example thing. of this? Oh, I will get lost if I try. Okay. That is, this, that is interesting. I mean... Paradox it, is like the crux of... Like the idea of something that's unknown and mystic. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's yeah, interesting. Play unknown and mystic. I mean, see, here's here's the attempt at trying to describe the thing that someday I'll get, and and I, I I then I will explain it nice and succinctly. But like from a core early age for children, he's trying to describe, like Winnicott is the person that came up with this concept of a transitional object, which I won't even get into right now. So if that means something to you, great. But I, okay. you want me to describe I that? I kind of do. Don't want to get too lost. <laughs> I mean, a transitional object for every for Winnicott, everything has to do with like the mother's breast, mm-hmm. and so this is the first object that a child has a relationship with, and then a weaning process involves some sort of object that is thought to be. I mean, he uses the word magic a lot. Like hmm. a breast is magically controlled by the child, hmm. and he doesn't or she doesn't or the baby doesn't <laughs> uh, view it as something outside of itself. It views it as an extension of itself that okay. it controls. Okay. Um, 
and the transitional object, whether it's a teddy bear or a blanket or a piece of string or something, um, weans the child off of hmm. the breast. The magical object. Yeah. That's interesting. But what play comes... So that's a transitional object. Everything for Winnicott starts with the transitional object, and that's where play starts for him. Huh. So then eventually... I'm doing a decent job explaining this, but I'm, I'm probably messing it up a little bit. As um, one does after... As one up. does. <laughs> but... Um, so, so here, here's the concept that I haven't fully grasped yet. There is an internal world and an external world okay. for all of us, but definitely for a child in the early stages. Um, it seems as if what I'm he- hearing and trying to understand is that the breast initially blurs the lines. Hmm. Um, and there's a, there's, there is symbolic meaning locked away inside of all of our heads. And play with external objects starts to merge the internal and the external environment. Okay. And this is where he's saying the paradox should not be resolved. Like in that or in those early stages, what is, is this internal or is it external? Is this thing that I am like to a certain extent, um, the, the transitional object or the string or the blanket, uh, represent an internal symbol, maybe the mother's breast hmm. that's getting placed or transferred, transfer, transference onto this object that's helping take pl- the place of this. Okay. And so this is where, play and creativity come as like I'm manifesting my internal world into hmm. the external world is the internal world, my external world, which is which, you know, like, and this is where I'm sort of getting lost a little bit in terms of like, what are we talking about? But he's like, <laughs> don't, maybe it's not important to differentiate between the internal and external, you know, or what's real and what isn't real. Yeah. The internal you know? is the external. Is that, <sighs> Yeah, but I mean, I only brought that up because it seems like what we're talking about is maybe we're trying to resolve a paradox that shouldn't be resolved. Like Maybe. I just think it's a bad definition. I just think Dictionary.com did a bad job defining it. But it brought up something for us about this serious thing. Yeah. Because I do think I can't, I can't treat the podcast or this conversation flippantly or we would never get any traction. Like right. I have to I have to play involves investment. I have to engage engage as if this matters and yeah. it does. Um however, if I'm overly invested and overly serious, it's going to not be a fun experience. It's we're going to we're going to be angry at each other and um yeah. not enjoy it. If I'm like And th- I mean even personally, I think probably in my life that's led to some complications in a lot of relationships. Yeah. Like yeah. I was too serious. Hmm. And I needed to be a little bit bit lightly. Yeah. And it's interesting that I would have thought up until probably this very moment, I would have thought let's be more playful would have been a coded way of saying, let's be less serious, but that's probably not the best way. Yeah. I just don't think there's a good dichotomy there. And I get frustrated because I think that definitions like this Mm. and the way we think of play undermines it in that way, because the child and adults are taking play seriously when they're engaging in it. I think, I think this is a mental block for me in sports. And even right here in this moment, I think I'm having a re- realization about sports. What is it? Cause I, love I think, sports. I think some, I think some people that were maybe too serious for lack of a better phrase ruined it for a little bit for me growing up sports. Yeah. But, but now what I know to be true about play, especially during this last week in terms of getting involved and invested and lost. Yeah. It is a little bit like acting in the sense that you do need to allow yourself to be sort of taken over by the game and that there's a lot of pleasure and mm-hmm. joy in that. 
you get lost in it. Yeah. When I play sports, I get to be someone else in that. And I feel bad that. that probably, again, up until this moment, <laughs> I might have been fairly judgmental of people that let themselves get lost in sports. Hmm. And I f- yeah. feel convicted. As a person who habitually gets lost in sports, I could not judge people who get lost in yeah, sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can't for sure, but I'm feeling convicted right now. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I am judgmental about the industry. I'm judgmental about football. Yeah. You know, I mean, I can I I don't watch sports, but I I have a hard time judging people who are invested in their sports because I get I have a very like code switch competitive Macy that comes out when I'm playing sports. Switch. So it yeah. happens. It's good. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we didn't even really get that far into this. We, we just no. read a description what online. What is play? Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, what is play? I don't even know how I would define play. So did that definition say don't, not too serious? It said it. it say, it say it again. Say it again. Now that we've had some yeah. thoughts around it. Engage in activity for enjoyment and recreation rather than a serious or practical purpose. Okay. 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 I've come around. I've come around. Playing is very practical. It helps in life. Yes, playing yeah. is incredibly practical. Yeah. Yeah. You come around to me being annoyed at this definition. I'm coming around. Yeah. <laughs> I think you convinced me. <laughs> I mean, I will I will maintain my yin and yang mentality that it it can't be over it can't be too serious. But mm-hmm. it is serious. It's both. It's both. Oh, okay. Wait. I, this is, I, can I read this definition? Mm-hmm. I'm already intrigued by my thoughts around this. This comes from, uh, where? One second. <laughs> okay. This comes from jo- Johan Huizinga. Not doing that well from his book Homo Ludens. Anyways, wow. Play is a free activity standing quite consciously outside ordinary life as being not serious, in quotes. Oh, in at, quotes changes it. <laughs> but at the same time, absorbing the player intensely and utterly. It is an activity connected with no material interest and no profit can be gained by it. It proceeds within its own proper boundaries of time and space, according to fixed rules and in an orderly manner. Please read it That's interesting. again. Please read it one more time. Okay, I will. Okay. For me and the audience. <laughs> <laughs> Play is a free activity standing quite consciously outside ordinary, in quotes, life as being not serious, in quotes. In quotes. But at the same time, absorbing the player intensely and utterly. It is an activity connected with no material interest and no profit can be gained by it. It proceeds within its own proper boundaries of time and space according to fixed rules and in an orderly manner. That's a, that's a lofty Gives us a definition. lot of material. Mm-hmm. Lot I of do material. think rules are actually a very important aspect of play. Play has to have rules and aspects to it. As a child or adult is playing, there are boundaries that are set in it. In this specific game, no, we don't, like, Mm. this poison (laughs) doesn't actually kill you. You know, like, that's a rule. We're all kind of playing by that standard that, like, well, if everybody dies, then we can't play the game anymore. This is a good topic. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's a great topic. I mean, I wonder... I wonder how your experience with Dungeons and Dragons informs this conversation. Oh, Dungeons and Dragons is such... Oh, it's so fun and it's <laughs> so good. I've never played, but... Oh, I, you get to be characters. You get to yeah. be role-playing. You get to act things out. I mean, I think we're all... Play is a place where we can all 
exist as both ourselves, but in a situation that is not our quote unquote ordinary life as Mm -hmm. this thing was bringing up. Mm -hmm. Like it allows us to step outside or step into something else Mm. and imagine a different way and imagine scenarios and putting yourself in those scenarios and having to like act in them. I mean, when you're doing that, you do that in sports Yeah, you go and play like that's what you're doing. Mm. I don't know. I'm feeling a lot of, uh, tonight in this conversation, I'm feeling a lot of conviction (laughs) and, and a lot of uh, maybe some grief. Maybe some grief. What do you mean? I, I, I feel like my f- my Enneagram fiveness has I just Stopped had a, you from playing. I just had an image come to my mind. Um oh oh I oh, well this is weird because it was just an image and now I realize what the image was. But I always feel that an Enneagram five's true patron saint is Scrooge. <laughs> and I was just remembering <laughs> Like the 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 movie I grew up watching was called Scrooge, and Albert Finney played Scrooge, and it was a musical. That's the one I grew up on. I think everybody grew up on their own Scrooge movie. Yeah, but um, he ta- he gets taken back in time by the ghost of Christmas past, and he's watching all these kids play, and he's off in his own little boarding school room, mm-hmm. watching through the windows. And she's like, "You never wanted to join in." He's like, "I couldn't, I couldn't join him," and he doesn't really have an explanation why. Hmm but I feel similar about my stance towards life. It's like, I'm always kind of observing from the outside and being like, wow, so cool that you guys like to dance or play games or play sports. And, but I'm, I'm in here doing the more serious quote unquote work of Mm. thinking about play and thinking about sports and, Offering my critiques of that, yeah, things that these people are, yeah, and that's that's not that's not a that's not a good way to live. (laughs) (laughs) I'm feeling convicted. Oh, Scott. I mean. Yeah, everybody's out there having fun, and I've definitely <laughs> just getting so <laughs> sad about it. <laughs> definitely had fun. Well, but you were doing your own. I'm. I'm reading is a form of play. It is. It is. But maybe maybe what I'm feeling convicted about and wanting to repent of <laughs> is sort of my 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 judgy <laughs> stance judgment. on the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, oh, they're actually doing some really like yeah. important good work by right. doing that. Right. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I think uh, a message to grown-ups out there with, yeah. that are involved with children, like their playing is gold. Is the like is doing so much work and goodness for them, mm. and they're learning so much socially, emotionally. Got to get them in the classroom. Got to get them to teach. Take those tests. Gotta, That's what's good for them. Yeah, I think also. I think most families probably value play too. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's. A general thing. I grew up with a family that really valued play. Me and too. When I think about it, yeah. I'm really thinking about that. I was really thinking about that today in terms of like we may we may get to our play journeys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We we're doing a reverse. We might get to journeys at the end, depending on energy levels. Yeah, we're not doing an outline tonight. <laughs> uh, maybe we're just getting right into the conversation. But um, another thing I was thinking, and this kind of applies to the stuff I was reading this week is that is is what we've been talking about is like the idea of getting lost in play and even how it correlates to the podcast. Yeah. And there was a patient and this does seem to be a, a typical of an Enneagram 5, but I'm sure all types can relate to this. Yeah. Of of like not being in the room. Like the most real thing are the thoughts in your head. 
Yeah. And he had lots of patience that he was talking about with us. And I just kept writing Enneagram 5 on the side <laughs> where it's like you could tell like when he gave her free reign to because he has all these case studies yeah. to, to describe what's going on internally. She's like not in the room. Hmm. She's thinking about something that happened in the past, the future or an idea. But not what's around her. Yeah. And it seems like play really brings you to the present. Like you're here. I do think, I mean, it's an active thing. I think mm-hmm. play is active, whether mm-hmm. that be, I guess, maybe in your mind. But I think, yeah, I don't but know. Probably less so in your mind. I mean. I know. Like, I do think reading can be a form of play, but I, it is, I don't know. And sitting with your thoughts, I don't want to count that as not playing. Right. But there is something about active play, especially social play too. Mm -hmm. I think where it's like something really like profound is happening in that. I mean, Peter Rollins did say something on a podcast last week where he was just talking about, I was like, yeah, that's real. I mean, a real true practice of like, he was saying he's, he might be a five. I always say he's a four or five, um, skipping a big party that he was invited to. And it wasn't reading, it wasn't TV. He really was dedicating his evening to thinking about something. <laughs> <laughs> he had an idea that he needed to really work through. So he and would so just sit and He think committed about himself to sitting on the couch. He said, I sat here for three hours. It wasn't reading. It wasn't journaling. It was like working it out in his head. Interesting. And I was like, I think that is a, a role that running plays for me a lot in my life. Yeah. But yeah. I was just like, just sitting on a couch and thinking, that that could be playful if you're really... If you just sit down and you're like, Immersed I'm going to do this. Yeah. Yeah, that's a funny vibe, but I can get behind it. You think he's a four? You're talking about Donald Miller? No, 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 no. Peter Rollins. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm so sorry that I accidentally <laughs> thought you were talking about Donald Miller. How dare you? That makes Confuse so much the worse. two. <laughs> yeah, Donald Miller, he's not sitting there thinking. He's too busy. Yeah, he was a little confused <laughs> by Sorry, it. Donald Miller. You don't listen to this. I was like, but, he's not a uh, um, um, but I, I I will just say even for the podcast, like having done 87 episodes now, I think 90% of the time, 90%, which is big, which is why I think this goes well, I think, for us. I'm almost under a spell, <laughs> you know, and, and it's the playful aspect. Yeah, no. But for both of us, I, I have noticed on certain nights, it's nighttime, so it's like we're not morning coffee, which is not what I would prefer. No, I'm glad we you. do this nighttime, yeah. <laughs> Um, if I start to yawn, I'm like, it's almost an indicator like, oh, I've, I've stepped out of the spell. I'm out of the spell. Yeah. You would, if you were in the spell, you wouldn't be on. Yeah. I start to, I'm, I start to think and watch what we're talking about. I get out of it. Like I'm watching it from above and I'm like, oh, we're talking about play. Hmm. Macy's saying this thing about play and I'm saying this and it's yeah. this time of night and yeah. I'm in the room and I'm, I can, I'm getting meta about it and I'm like, oh, I'm, I've lost. I'm not, as you do that, I can think about that. Yeah. I get, <laughs> yeah. I get what you're saying, but I'm not lost in all anymore. And yeah. that's where I started to be like, oh, I'm, well, you know, ho hum, you know, I'm not, I don't know why, I don't know what it is about that night that causes me to step out of it. But like, like as right now, I'm immersed in this topic. <laughs> you're, you're, you're <laughs> I am wanting to think about play. <laughs> I know this is, I mean, this is just, it is something that I started working at this school. I'm at a year, almost two years ago, a year and a half ago. Isn't that crazy to think about? It is crazy. It still seems fresh to me. And it It is. It seems really fresh. And then it also feels, I just feel like I've learned so much. Mm -hmm. Um, 
they put play at the center of its curriculum and it's emergent. And we as teachers, are, our role is to be able to reflect on play and help children to see their play as like this gift that they have and help children to self-document and self children to like reflect upon what the work they're doing and support it. Like mm. how cool mm. at my job is to observe children's play and then scaffold it and create rooms where they can continue to explore their play. It's kind of nuts. It's kind of perfect for you. I think that's what we should do. I think that's the sign of what's coming next. And I'll just say for an outline sake next, oh, yeah. Macy is going to talk about what it's like to work at Hilltop and the role that pl- play plays. I will probably, yes. And your reflections. I will, yes, I'll just share a few things. And then I think we'll take another break and we'll introduce the concept of psychoanalysis as play. And I think you're going to want to stick here, around for that. Psychoanalysis as play. Yeah, that yeah. is your ultimate yeah. concept. <laughs> and and then, then maybe journeys. Maybe journeys. We'll see how maybe that Maybe baby journeys. Baby journeys. <laughs> okay. We'll right when now. we come back. <laughs> at a school we just had a big long break everybody That's so weird <laughs> and i'm pumped it up would about be good for patreon our break conversation we actually take breaks <laughs> your the break you experience is 15 seconds ours is about 30 minutes of that last one was more really crazy conversation <laughs> <laughs> sorry it's just a bit of a tease okay so i work at this school called hilltop children's center mm-hmm. i will not name any children in this if i tell stories sure Gotta be confidential. I don't know. It is really fun, my job. It is very challenging as well, but it's really fun. I work with kids and it is open. Like the classroom is an open-ended space for Mm -hmm. children to play. And the curriculum that we use is emergent curriculum. So it emerges from their play. And our role as teachers is to support their play, to play alongside them, to document their play to reflect upon their play and make meaning out of their play at times. Don't, um, don't, I imagine as people are listening, they feel that it's good and right. And they also probably feel sad that they didn't have that. Well, maybe some people did. Maybe, but most I would imagine didn't. I certainly didn't. I mean, a lot of, a lot of preschool curriculums, I would say are play based. So I think I that's part of it, but this is Reggio Amelia. You didn't go to preschool. no, <laughs> look at look a pity that came across your face. Ah, <laughs> uh, ah, uh, that says a lot about you. No preschool. Mm. I was wondering. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't mean to have that. That but explains it. <laughs> it's actually this is something like it brings up multiple things for me because I just think there's so much value in having play spaces at such a young and early age and there's cool. so much value we send our kids to Montessori right but and but I also just get really convicted about the equity around preschool because it's like I think preschool is so essential and so um important for people for humans and important for society honestly mm-hmm. um so I get frustrated with oh. how unequitable preschool is can I say a side note 
Yes. I also probably want to show you something on a computer eventually, but um, <laughs> this guy Winnicott, who we're going to talk about in a little bit in the second part, um, he he was known for saying the most important thing for society is parents. He's essentially saying like all these things we do to set up a structure and stuff and yeah. demo, like politics and government and the structures that we have in place are important, but the most important thing that we have is parents because they are the ones raising citizens. Yeah. You know, so like, let's get these parents nice and supported here (laughs) so they can raise good kids, you know? Yeah. That's interesting. I, I have also mixed feelings. I'm also a little bit here for communal parenting, not being raised. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure he would agree with that. It's not like just a traditional male and female parent. I mean, people raising kids. I know, but I, but I, I partially see, I don't know, I think it is our job as citizens to help raise children. I don't think it should be the burden of the parents. Oh, both. I, don't, I have yeah. like, I, I don't know. Okay. You, you also don't want, I imagine you don't want parents just passing the buck on to some sort of, it's both, right? No, but that's true. It's true. I don't know. In my dream world, I'm just like reimagining a whole way we're viewing the family structure. Please. Imagine, imagine, imagine. And in that way, I don't see the nuclear family with parent figures having as much. I don't know. I don't know. These are all just responsibility. Maybe not necessarily responsibility. I mean, yes. Centrality. Centrality. Okay. Maybe uh, that's a good word for it. Yeah. Not so much centrality. Anyways. Okay. Side note. Okay. So I work at the school and it's amazing (laughs) and I get to play with kids all day and I love that. Um, I feel what we're going to say. Well, it has been fun. Getting to know this new you in this role, you really come alive when you debrief your day, <laughs> you know? And it has to do with these kids and these personalities and these, you know, this whole set of circumstances that you're so immersed in, you know? It's true. Yeah. It's true. I, I like, do feel like I'm very passionate about It's like about a sitcom. Like, I'm so aware of these <laughs> characters now and, like... I want to know the next episode and what happened on this 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 season's episode of Hilltop um, with Macy. <laughs> big kids. Oh, this oh. was a big kids episode this week. Whoa. <laughs> oh gosh, it's true. Yeah. So I I feel like the best one thing I wanted. Um, words are hard. Hmm. There's a lot because I just feel like there's so much that's happening, and I myself have learned so much working at this place that values play so highly. And I feel as a person, I've learned just so much about both myself and honestly the world. And I found a part of myself from observing and playing alongside kids. Mm. I think I am constantly finding myself being more creative and imaginative and whimsical just because I'm surrounded by these kids and the school I work at just places such an emphasis on the children's like autonomy and their the like way that they see the world. Mm. And Reggio, I mean, there's this like beautiful poem that I could read. This is the one hundred languages. The hundred languages, yeah. but it it puts it really beautifully of like working with these kids is working with the scientists, the artists, the poets, mm-hmm. the storytellers. Like all of these things, these children are doing these things just in their play 
It's so profound. It's so innocent. And and that I think we've read that poem several times and it's really had an impact on my life. But like <laughs> to say essentially that they're engaging with reality in a way that ha- doesn't have the same restrictions that yeah. adults experience. Yeah, so and it's What a beautiful way for us to learn from them. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's out of it comes so many beautiful, wonderful projects as well as just so much I don't know, reflection, honestly, of the world around us. Mm -hmm. I think children's play is also fascinating because the games that they play and the things that they imagine are also almost a mirror of society, but it's through a different lens. So it gives us a way to see the present that's maybe sometimes more real Mm. than our convoluted way where we've created all these structures of what we're seeing. Children don't have those structures set up, so they're just seeing things as they are. And their play and their art and their things reflects that. Oh. 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 I have so many thoughts about that. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I mean, to say that, like, we, ha- we have a, uh, we have, uh, I have my thoughts and then I have my, my assumptions about how people are going to perceive my thoughts, which is maybe something I should not think about, but. Um, Just go for it we have a way of being in the world that we think is natural and normal, generally speaking. And then like what you're saying in terms of their play, kids, especially little kids are mirroring back either some pretty positive or pretty negative ways about the way that we act out in the world. Mm -hmm. And so their, their innocent play could be revealing something about our reality. That's not, I don't, I don't love attaching the word innocence to children. Mm, Okay. Okay. Um, Cause I, yeah, What's I a better word than innocence? Agenda free? Their play? Yeah. I don't think they're trying to make a point. They're not like, when I when I draw this picture, it will show my dad that he is being harmful. <laughs> it, just, it just comes out. Maybe, it just comes yeah. out naturally, it yeah. seems like. More naturally. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, maybe subconsciously they're trying to make a point. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they're trying to make a point in the same way I'm trying to make a point. That might be true. They're, they're I, don't, I don't know exactly what you're trying to say, though. Natural, maybe, is a better word than innocent. Like, if you said, go out and play, and, and just by their play, whether they're drawing or they're playing a game or creating a situation, mm-hmm. they're mirroring back something about, like, their toxic home life. Yeah, it might and, show up. And they didn't even mean to do it. Right. It just felt natural. Yeah. I don't know about innocent. Um, and it, I mean, that doesn't always show up. No, of course not. Yeah. I think it's, oh, I have uh, so many thoughts in my brain right now. Because it is also interesting <laughs> thinking about play because it's it's also dramatic. Like mm-hmm. there's an element of it that's not real. And so there is like a flair for the dramatics and there's theater involved. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's it's like this sometimes, I don't know, like hyper extension of reality. I don't know. I'm having big thoughts. What are some big thoughts? Well, no, I... <laughs> Try to pick one. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. I feel this is what I said in the intro. I just feel like there's so much I'm learning about play still. So I'm just always like, I'm just a novice talking about play. Okay, well, why don't you try to find or think about... I could tell a story. Yeah, do that. I could tell of... I just think there's so much uh, like emotional work that's happening in play and 
there's just so much to be learned from it, especially to tell a story from please, the class. This please. happened yesterday, this so it's for. very fun. Um, I will not name the children's names, so I'm just going to randomly say child this or whatever. Child A and child B. Yeah. So we're in the classroom. I'm working with kids that are kindergarten to third graders. Mm-hmm. And this game took place with, I think it was all kindergarten and first graders, if I think back to it. And this week I'm in the classroom, like the central area, and I've been kind of playing. There's a restaurant that's developed in the center of the class, like on the stage. Yes. Um, it's, this is, I think this was the third day. So it was yesterday. So it was the third day the restaurant's been happening. I was a <laughs> the customer at the, the restaurant. The restaurant's been happening. <laughs> I love it. It's the, it's like. I love that. <laughs> I love that sentence. <laughs> There's three kids who are the like restaurant owners and they've kind of been there all week. They've, <laughs> and it's, it's like, it began first with just a menu, a clothes sign. There's. Like a place where you get greeted. They do take Apple Pay. I'll let you know. <laughs> I was. All right, everybody. They take Apple they, Pay. I was, I was like, by. do you guys take Apple Pay? And they're like, yep, we do. Yep. And they've they've made uh, like a little register and it beeps and I used my phone to pay for my meal. Gosh, this is so good. <laughs> okay. So that happened on Tuesday, but Wednesday as a customer. And like a running thing that I've had this week is I have this sea otter and I have it in like a little Bjorn I've made out of a fabric and the sea otter's <laughs> name is Pearl and it's my baby. <laughs> because their restaurant said children, like child friendly. <laughs> so I was like, I have to have a child. I feel like to play into this. Oh, that's so good. So me and my child, <laughs> uh, my baby sea otter, Pearl, um, <laughs> <laughs> Which I, another kid named, and the options were seaweed or pearl. And then I was oh, like, pearl. I think I like I pearl. pearl. And she was like, I like pearl better, too. Yeah. <laughs> that's, um, a good, that's a good logical choice. So we went there. But then, okay, so I went back the next day. And they were like, Mason, you come to the restaurant? And I was like, sure. Mm-hmm. And then this other kid was like, I want to play, too. And I was like, she was like, can I be your daughter? And I was like, sure, mm-hmm. here we go. Mm-hmm. So me and my kid and my baby and are so. at the restaurant. What? Uh, Pearl. And Pearl. Pearl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Pearl is getting milk. I'm getting a pizza, pineapple <laughs> pizza. I always get pineapple pizza. I am sometimes denied pineapple pizza. Wow. We don't like, have that today? It, yeah, sometimes. Because kids do restaurants often. Yeah. And pizza's a hot item. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm always like, can I have pineapple pizza? And sometimes they're like, no, we do not have pineapple we, we pizza. We don't have that. Sorry. <laughs> Go somewhere else. Um, so it was me and my kid. And there's two restaurant owners. And we're playing, and they're getting us our food. And then all of a sudden, this other kid, who was originally in the studio, jumps in to join the play. And he is a snake. And he's come into the restaurant. Mm. And it's like, this snake has come to the restaurant. What do we do with this? It's really unclear, like, what we're going to do in terms of whose snake this is. And at first, I thought it was mine and my daughter's snake. And This is our pet that we brought from This is our pet, yeah. But then I think... As the play played out, it ended up being the shop owner's snake. Mm. Like, that's what okay. became lore, I think. Oh, my snake. Is it like my <laughs> snake got out? The snake is out. It's a venomous <laughs> snake. And then oh. the snake bites my uh, daughter. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> the, <laughs> oh. the snake, the kid with the snake, then grabs all these red Unifix cubes. You know what Unifix cubes are? Mm. They're like mm. little square plastic cubes that you can stack on top of each other, but they're really good for imaginative play. You can make like, you know, like I was about to have a Unifix cube pizza, mm. Unifix cube, like milk in a little mm. cup. They're little okay. cubes. Okay. And so all of a sudden, red Unifix cubes are being spread everywhere because blood. Wow. She's been bitten by this snake. Your daughter? My daughter. <laughs> <laughs> I am, by the way, I am her ma and she's going, ma-pa, ma-pa. <laughs> 
<laughs> wow. And and then it's like clear that she <laughs> needs medical attention. The day. <laughs> she needs medical attention. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, the shop owners are now, they're now rushing to the center of the circle rug, pulling out this table. We're stacking blocks Th- up. Let me just pause you really quick. For some reason, I just have to be honest and say I'm picturing adults <laughs> acting this out, but I know it's little kids. I'm picturing well, I a show. I was also in it. Yeah. I mean, but this is what's happening. It's elaborate. It's intensive. Like, we have this character that comes in. We have to be creative. What I'm are we going to do? I'm immersed in it right now. <laughs> It's so good. I'm like, what's going to happen? So we go, we go to the center, the circle rug, and pull out a blanket, pillows on top. The kid who's been my kid, mm-hmm. who's been put there, is, or who has been bitten, is laying on there. All of a sudden, the two shop owners are now doctors. They're taking care oh, of right. Oh, right. We're doctors now. Step aside. <laughs> Actually, the whole time <laughs> we've been doctors. We're taking care of her. One of the kids <laughs> has handed me a. Uh, like a phone case. We have a phone <laughs> case. So <laughs> they handed me a phone case. Like, this is your phone. And so they're like, we'll call you when we have something. So That's so good. <laughs> so then I go walk around and they're like attending to my daughter. These doctors, she's like completely covered. It also sounds slightly ASMR-ish. I'm oh. Like, Ooh. Attending to your daughter. This scene, this was a very dramatic play. It, it was little. It wasn't here. super gentle. Although doctor play, like, is often very yeah. like, oh. To do your temperature, but yeah. this was like she's been bit by a snake. Emergency, come on, we gotta fix it. Exactly. Snake blood. And so then they call me, and this one kid is like, I think you're gonna need to come in. So they come in. <laughs> like, just like I'm walking from one area of the classroom to the <laughs> other. I, I don't know what my feelings about this are. I, I mean, slight, slight jealousy. Like, this is a real <laughs> vibe. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I walk. Uh, this week, I, especially because this is our topic, and then also, I just think playing with kids is the best thing. Like, I'm learning a lot about them. They're learning a lot about me. We're engaging in a really sweet, mm-hmm. special way. Mm-hmm. I think it's really good to engage with my kids in this way. So I try to play with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try. They've taught me, get creative. Anything mm-hmm. goes. Mm-hmm. Kind of. There's certain limits. And of you course, realize there that has to it. be. Right. Because, like, the snake, the snake eventually got put in a cage. Like, having a snake loose the whole yeah. game can't have a snake we can, the whole game. Yeah, this is limiting our ability to create. Like right. Everything involves this snake. <laughs> everything we do is the snake, you know? I know. Yeah. So eventually they call me back. I'm having some pizza. Snake! <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Talking to my friend. Whoa, snake. <laughs> snake. Well, but the snake was the true, like, climax of this. Yeah. So we go back, maybe. <laughs> we go back. We're at the hospital. They call me. They're like, hey, come back in. And <laughs> this one kid was very satisfied to be like, it looks like. She's going to die. We oh do not gosh. have a cure for this. I have blah, a twist blah, blah. to this whole story. And this other kid was like, we could try the magical potion, but it doesn't always work. And so they try it. And mm, we're like, is it going to work? And they're like, we'll introduced. call you when we find out. Which is so funny that they like, the part of the game was that I, as the like ma-pa, had to like go away. And then like, they would call me. And, and that was we'll part of it. We'll call you. See, so they, a side note on play. Something's happening there, right? Yeah. Like, what is it? Was their perception of adults and cell phones, and what are we learning about how they perceive? Like, you get called, we're or now we're taking back control as kids through our play. You sit over there because we're. I mean, there's so right. Much well, and it's just, like, it gets fun to call. It feels very serious yeah. to call something like a doctor would do. You hear that phrase, yeah, and then you have to like go back. There's part of the, like the journeying back, yeah. And Ooh. so I eventually get called back. They've tried this life potion and it didn't work. My daughter has died. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and so what's being said there? 
what are we going to do? And I was like, oh my gosh, my daughter. And the doctors were like, we have to bury her. We have to get a grave and we have to bury her. And I was like, okay. So they get another blanket and they wrap her up in this other blanket and bring her over to this other area. And then at this point, she's died and moved over there. And then another kid came up to me and was like, this is too intense. Like, I like don't for like real, this like game. stepping out of it. Like this kid who wasn't playing the game yeah. watched it and was I'm like, watching this, this is too you much. You guys are out of control. I don't like, which was like very emotionally shaken by watching this. Which is also sort of playing a, a parent role over this whole thing. Like stepping in and being like, hey, okay, okay, kids. No, no. It was like came up to me and was like, hey, I don't like that. I just watched that game. I'm feeling really upset about it. Yeah, and yeah. Like, had a hard time handling this, like this death that had happened, but it's really interesting because some, but that, but I'm telling you that still feels parental. Like I think, I think parents step into play that makes them uncomfortable and, and reveal something that they don't want to have to deal with. Interesting. You know, you're saying like a parent might say like, don't, don't pretend to be dying or whatever. Yeah. Or, or, or don't play that video game. Anything that just is like, don't watch that show. Don't watch that inappropriate thing. You know, like, uh, yeah, I do think that there, especially when it comes to like outside media, mm-hmm. that's something to be limited. But I do think within play, I was listening to a podcast about like evil in play, and this isn't necessarily evil, mm. but I do think play allows us to explore these darker things, to explore death, to like, what would it be like? How do you feel about it? I totally agree. It? And then I continued to, ha- so it brought up this other conversation with that kid who was upset about it, and it tells me a lot about what's going on. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of outside, like, it, this play brought up a lot because yeah. it brought up a lot of emotions for certain kids who had this kind of put in front of them. Also, a few of the kids who are playing this game, I know that they have experienced death and had to, mm. like, I know that they've, That's they have they have language around it. Because the last time we talked about Hilltop here on the podcast was about the death of the bird. The death of the bird, which was also, like, that was, the, those, those kids were definitely there for that. And those kids are a part of a class that, as a class, they kind of had to, like, because of the family of their class, mm. they had to, like, handle Well, this is the idea of, like, this immediate thing of, like, let's have the funeral. Like, the idea of enacting mm-hmm. this, the ritual of, like, mourning and... Yeah. Wow. And we didn't That's actually play out the funeral because I got just, like, I got distracted and then mm-hmm. it went on. And then afterwards, they were like, let's play it again. Mm-hmm. And another kid was like, I want to be another daughter. And, like, people were getting invested. But it was fascinating because I was like, well, we can't redo this loop. Like, right. this I'm was not, I'm all... I'm not going to go back to the beginning and come in with my daughter and my baby seal and all that stuff. Well, I mean, I did do that. <laughs> we did, <laughs> I did, we did do that. start that replay. <laughs> but it was never going to become, like, this other kid that came We'll never the recover snake, the magic. Right, we won't ever oh, the spontaneity. Come That's true, but this other kid isn't going to come back and be the snake. That was them just cruising through to play yeah. and be that kid and then go out and did their other thing. Yeah. And there was, yeah, so much spontaneity with it. But I do think they probably will continue to act out these big scenes of mm. like, oh, something crazy happens at the restaurant. Um, There's a, a certain type of personality kid that wants to, and I think I was one of these and still am. Wants to interrupt the story with a with a rogue idea. Gosh, you know, <laughs> well now the snake. And we're like, no, we're playing restaurant and we're ordering pizza and this is my daughter and we're just having a nice casual meal. It's like, but the snake and blood <laughs> and you're like, okay, I guess. <laughs> it was interesting. This it depends on the kid and it depends on the situation. I think entering into play is really complex for mm-hmm. children and adults. I think figuring out how to enter into play and play well is one of the best things you can do hmm. as a person 
because that is what life is and learning how to be yourself in play to respect others in play it's to be creative in play it's all these all these wonderful things are happening in it but it's really challenging mm. this is the juice this right kid here. that jumped in and was the snake i was like oh i know this is a typical move of this kid in big games he likes to be the fun, silly character, but he doesn't overplay it. Mm. He's the silly kid, and then he goes and does other things, so it never gets too old my, because my, it's fun. My job here is done, everybody. <laughs> I introduce a snake. <laughs> do what you will with that. You honestly, know, you're like, okay, thanks. Honestly, uh, <laughs> I don't think he has that way of seeing it, but I do think <laughs> that is the role that's in play. I'm like, here he goes. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Low risk on his part, probably. Not as invested. Serious. Yeah, he, I mean, he's just also, like, a fun, silly kid who's like, oh, yeah. I'll do this fun thing. Okay. But he's not, like, not trying to, like, terrorize the game. Right. I get that. Um, but, yeah, so that, I don't know what that story play, so much is happening there. I mean, in the moment, it was so fun. I got immersed in that story. And reflecting on it is even more fun, honestly. Yeah. Because there is so much happening there in terms of, like, live improv happening it really and is like, it really is i was i wasn't like big dramatic about my daughter dying but i was like my daughter died you know <laughs> and like, <laughs> meanwhile i've got this baby around my <laughs> <laughs> oh it's so good <laughs> oh it's so fun it's it's really fun to be in those spaces and i don't know i think it's like play as therapy is i think a very something that needs to be brought more to the focus. Like I think play is one of the best free forms of therapy we have, if not the best. Yeah. Well, I think this book I was reading probably has like the best and most definitive description of why that may be. And again, I'm not yeah, prepared yeah, to say yeah. exactly why, but like it has, a, it does have to do with our natural mind state as it comes out of the womb and into the world, starts to engage with, like, again, yeah. like, we can all imagine yeah. the internal versus the external. Yeah. The internal world is, in many ways, dismissed and not taken seriously. But it's mm. there. Oh, Our yeah. thoughts and our dreams and our images, they're all there, you know? And what's the source of creativity? What's the source of the things that happen in our world that are, you know, sources of of growth and creativity and help, like... Yeah. Somebody needs to be, be able to teach you to take those internal thoughts and feelings seriously. Mm-hmm. I, um, I was getting really serious about it, but I mean, I do think there is some sort of seriousness. That's a funny word that we've <laughs> said a lot. Tonight. Maybe that's a whole episode. <laughs> what is what is serious? But um, you take kids seriously. Yeah. Oh, you know, you, yeah. You you really take kids seriously. I mean, I don't know. I know they exist. I'm I'm I have to assume there are spaces in the world that exist that take kids even more seriously. But you take kids the most seriously in terms <laughs> I of. I do. I really try. Not to. you, but not this, you do. You do. Person, but, but school but hilltop. I, yeah. Definitely does take kids very. That seriously. That is like the premise. Yeah. Of what the school is. That's so great, and I, it may, again, it may, it's another little act of repentance on my part that I think I took my kids fairly seriously, and I think I was fairly playful, but I could have been much more playful. Hmm. You know. Sometimes um, I wonder if I'm gonna, if I end up do having kids one day, if I will run out, I will have run out of juice. But I'm like, there's absolutely no way. <laughs> I don't think you will. I don't think you can run out of juice if you think 
the, the <laughs> juice. If you think the juice is important, <laughs> I think that's true. You know? Like sometimes I think, oh, the juice was again like what we we're saying, like extravagant or flippant, and it's not actually that important. And but if it I, is so important. It is. If I if I had the energy, then that would be nice. But I don't. So we need to really focus on the most important thing, which is disciplining my kids and make sure they act right. Yeah, yeah. But if I if I had the emotional energy, maybe someday I could engage with them and play with them. But it's like actually that's the most important. That's so, the most important thing you can't be doing. Yeah. By this, I'm currently reading a book about roughhousing. I know we should post about this because <laughs> Scott has big feelings every time. I think he sees it's so it. cool. A little book that literally trains you how to roughhouse. <laughs> it's so good. Also, families roughhouse with your mm-hmm. children. Mm-hmm. It's very good for them and you. Okay. I was roughhoused with in a very great way. It was probably my favorite way of bonding with my dad was wrestling. Yeah, big bonding. I didn't do that well with my own kids. Again, physical. Interesting. I don't think my son Jack would have been interested in wrestling. I bet Avery would have. Avery would have, and we had moments. I it wasn't consistent. I would do, like, my dad, I would do, like, airplane, like, and tricks with my dad. I did do that, that kind Avery. of roughhousing yeah. stuff. Yeah. This has only this is set the table because yeah. we could go off on this whole hilltop vibe for a while. I will put I will put that the mic down good. for this. I that know. was good. Thank you. I'm, that story. I think that story. It was so fun to play. Wow. But that's that is this week. I've been really leaning into the play, but I do feel sometimes I am like exhausted from my job because oh, I'm, I'm just sure so, I'm too invested sometimes. I'm but. sure because the thing is, it's like. I think with natural play, like if, as especially as an adult, if you're going to say like, I'm going to play tennis for two hours or I'm going to have a podcast, but this is like eight hours. I just gave 110% to that frigging pizza snake story and I've got six hours left. No, that's not, that's not the energy. (laughs) That's that's my projection of it. But I like, I don't, I'm mostly saying that just because I'm about to say like, I feel so like. There was listening to a podcast of someone who does play therapy, and he was like, I hate the word blessed because it just sounds bad. We're, like, lucky. But I just do feel like, oh, I don't know how, like, I got to be this person that gets to have this gold. Like, this is gold. Well, you put you put me. an energy out into the universe, and the universe said, here, come work at Hilltop. <laughs> here we you go. Know? <laughs> just for you. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. All right. Uh, we got a rejuvenation coming. Yeah, we have a rejuvenation. And then we'll we'll probably skip in stories or journeys tonight. Yeah, and then we'll just have we'll conclude some psychoanalysts. We will one hundred percent have more on play. (sighs) This is just the beginning. I can tell we're both pretty jazzed about this topic. Okay. (laughs) When we come back, we'll have a rejuvenation. Here's our buddy here. We're just babies. We're just babies, man. 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 Every man's a planet, and the props are there to get it. Insexual together with the spirit in our orbit. Life it comes and goes, and you do not punch a clock. I don't take shit for granted. I think of Scott LaRock. Also of Terrell and the battles at the borders. My cousins in the joint and the homeless gripping quarters. The forests are all shrinking. The deepness to my thinking. Don't cover up the nappy. Be happy with your kinking. I think the American teenager is a discursive construct. The American adolescent. Um, that's actually one of my first surprising discoveries when I came to this country as a lowly, innocent a ruffian at the tender age of 18. <laughs> no, it's true. I feel like people here make a big deal out of 
being teenagers, like endless years of movies devoted to them. I feel like when I was growing up, no one really told me that, hey, you're a teenager. No one's like, you're a teenager and there's going to be like talks aimed right at you at youth group. I also grew up, grew up going to church. There was a pastor whose job is to attend to you. Like it's a job category. That's like how, how kind of big, how much of a thing American, uh, you know, like adolescents, I feel like in our, in not our, in this, in this economy. Um, because like my, my, youth pastors or Sunday school teachers when when I was in middle school and high school they were like volunteers <laughs> like they were in no way trained in something called what did you study Scott youth pastorhood youth ministry, youth ministry. okay that's right I forgot that was a thing um, <laughs> so it's interesting when I first came here, it was its own thing. It had its own repertoire of, it has its own repertoire of like what you can expect from an, a teenager is that they're sullen and awkward. And I was like, I never knew that these things, I mean, I like I didn't, I was like, okay, I guess this is how some like American teenagers are, or like it's how teenagers are. They would like, take the American out because they're like, well, this is what all teenagers are like. like and it's like, I don't think so. It's because you've been telling them. Um, so, this might come as a surprise to some people who listen to this podcast, but teenagers make me nervous. They do. Uh, and especially when I see them at random places, right? I feel like, because I I feel like this is not, we live, we will never tell you where we live, but we live at a pretty, like, this is kind of like a family neighborhood, but we, li yeah. we live at the outer edges of it. Uh, and I go to, like, UW, right? So it's like, and, and you know, I don't go to bars, but whatever. Like, you don't see teenagers just walking around. Right. Like, this is an Arcade Fire video. Um, <laughs> that <laughs> reference probably, like, what? 10 years late. Um, <laughs> so I think, uh, so sometimes when I, when I uh, run into them out of context, right, I'll be like, I get that, there goes a teenager, uh, a wild specimen, right? <laughs> but once in a while, our, our paths would cross and I would uh, stumble into this uh, mythological creature. Uh, and usually that's bef when I go home from... Uh, from my place of work, from school, and I would take this bus line. I'll never... It's you, also vague. It's also vague. I mean, it can be any bus line, <laughs> right? Uh, I could be zigzagging through any neighborhood. Uh, you know you're in Seattle, so we know that. Yeah, yeah. You're not in New York. I'm, I'm afraid. Um, so I would take this bus, and it would be kind of like, you know, sometimes I would try to go home like a little early so as not to like uh like have the bus be too crowded and sometimes it would be like around like 3 30 or 4 and it's like i'm just gonna work somewhere p.m p.m okay. um it could be a.m uh you don't know uh well it, what i'm saying is that th this bus line always like uh 
Yeah, like always gets a high school group around this time. And because it stops uh, like at this bus stop and it's close to a high school, which will not be named. Um, and it's never just like one or two, right? It's like 20, like 20 teenagers at the same time, right? And sometimes you get the bus with like the... Uh, with like I don't know, like those those are like, like the longer bus. There's like an accordion in the middle, right? And sometimes you get a smaller bus. And what's so fascinating is like I feel like when we were about to go to that stop, like the adults in the bus kind of like here it is, <laughs> like they're they I sort they they stand up and then they move, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I'm like, they know. yeah, it's like kind of for me like okay. And this like horde of teenage of, of like kids would like come up and usually they would occupy the middle. And sometimes I'm like some days I I just feel like I don't need to move. Like the, like they're not gonna do anything. I'm doing my own thing. <laughs> right. Uh so I, I was always kind of like, uh I, I am pretty sure at one point someone just like decided like this is where I'm gonna go. Like I'm just gonna get off here. And I think that guy decided to walk home. Mm -hmm. And God knows where his home is, right? It could be, like, at the other end of the bus. Like, he could be, like, walking and, like, be run over by a car. <laughs> like, because he saw those teenagers and he was like, I'd rather risk my life than be in this bus. And I was like, what is happening right now, Right? So I'm pretty sure if you trace it, there are people who are now dead because they refuse to be on a bus with teenagers. <laughs> so, okay. All I'm saying is, and, but, you know, like things like r r rub off on you. Is that the thing? Is that what, what it means? Okay. I would, because sometimes I would be so self-conscious, right? I mean, like, okay, I guess these are the teenagers and I'm like surrounded by them. Like, like, like surrounded by them, and they would be like talking to their friends, and I would be like, I would always get so self conscious, right? Uh, you might not know this, but you see, because no one listening to this podcast has ever seen me. Uh, I think this. Live no, uh, this podcast I think does a great job of like concealing my true identity, um, and. And I, I, I look young for, uh, as a person. I get mistaken. Uh, at one point, I used to get mistaken when I was 18 as a middle schooler by another middle schooler, by the way, which was, I think, had, that, that, had, that has more creds than if I was mistaken by an older person. Right? And I still get sometimes mistaken for a high schooler. Uh, so I always kind of like try to, I need to, on the one hand, I was like, I need to distinguish myself. I need to look sophisticated. So sometimes I would get whatever book I have from my, from my, from my, um, from my backpack, and it could be anything. Say, race and the education of desire, Foucault's history of sexuality, and the colonial order of things. Right? Of I mean, it can be anything. It can be anything. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, and I would like hold it like against me. And I can't read on the bus because I get nauseous. <laughs> you just pull it out. Yeah, I just pull it out and I hold it because I would be like, 
those teenagers would be repelled by the sophisticated interpretation of Foucault. <laughs> they don't care, right? I was like, they don't care. I'm distinguishing myself. By the way, this is also sometimes how I establish dominance in a class is I would go to the library, take like 10 random books, and I would bring them, and I would pretend like I'm reading them. So these books like emit kind of like some kind of distance and like, oh, he's being withholding. Right. Is this a four energy right here? Yes. <laughs> and I mean, right. But I think on the other hand, I was like, I want them to think that I am also cool. Yes, of course. I know. Like, I feel like. I know. Uh-huh. I know. There was like finally someone who puts Foucault in conversation with the colonial archive, right? <laughs> like finally someone who doesn't situate him just in a line of other white deconstructivist guys. <laughs> no, but I'm serious. I want them to think I'm cool. I know. I think teenagers don't realize the power they have over adults. First, Adults want to... You can kill them by driving them off the bus. Uh, and you, you don't know. Sometimes... You, they, because I feel like this is the, the thing, right? You're like supposed to be a... Th- I should stand more. Uh, you're supposed to be like from zero to 18. You're supposed to be a particular thing. And then like the moment you turn 18, they're kind of like, good luck, right? And I'm just like, nothing happens when you turn 18 like nothing happened right you're you're still like vulnerable you're still kind of you still want people to think you're cool and then after 18 you're supposed to like what be an adult and then like what get married and it's like this is like the worst yeah like i know like this is like the worst design of of like anything right and so I just feel like, I don't know. I feel like sometimes I feel some kind of like affinity to, towards these teenagers these, because I feel like, oh, they probably, like, I don't know. I don't know how, maybe they were like, oh, there's an adult. I hope adults think I'm cool. And also, by the way, those people who got off the bus, I feel like, did they ever think about like how these teenagers must feel? Like, it's like, someone sees you and is like, I'd rather risk getting run over by a car. What if they, it was their stop? I don't think it's true. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'm like, they're probably like, oh, I hope that that adult doesn't, it's because I'm a teenager that they want to get off. Right. And meanwhile, I'm I here. Don't. I'm just like, I hope they think I'm cool. <laughs> so I think the message that I want to get out through this, uh, Ruvenation. Um, well, I guess my name is in the. Mm-hmm. So these people know my name. Yeah, they know your name. Okay. Well, I, I guess it's in the thing, in this <laughs> name of the segment, <laughs> is that we want uh, you have some some power. I want I want you th- I I want them to think that I'm cool. So I don't know who's going to see me, <laughs> but the next teenager who sees me if you're listening to this, should kind of like, Ruben, I think you're cool. And I'll be like, I also think you're cool. That's good. And there is going to be a sweet moment of recognition. <laughs> That's it.
This is the psychoanalysis section. Everybody, we're back for our final section after that rejuvenation. We've had another long break in between. <laughs> Lots of clips and conversations. Um, I think this book... Got will, rid of book. Th- I did, and I think it will be a guide, uh, uh, not necessarily that we use to dictate our own thoughts, but like as an inspiration for playful conversation. And this is about play. And Donald Winnicott, I encourage you to all look him up. He's a psychoanalyst, psychoanalyst, but with children in particular. Yeah. And so all of his work had to do with children and parenting and stuff like that. Um, But play was his big thing. And he, I'm trying to sum up a big thought, but he viewed play as a sign of thriving, essentially. That's my Mm. quickest way to Mm. describe it. Um, But I I, that's an interesting thought. I think in this section, what I want to say, and this is this is the journey I've been on. It's 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 in this point in my life, sort of my thing, and I might move on eventually, but maybe I won't. Maybe it will always be my thing, especially when we talk about Christianity and this sense of worship. Yeah. Um, the the space I'm in is that essentially the worship spaces that we create or the gathering spaces we create should resemble, in my opinion. Uh, in terms of where I'm at now in my life, okay. the space that one is trying to create in, in psychoanalysis, which is it's a space where one feels utterly accepted mm-hmm. for their whole self. So yeah. no thought is unacceptable. There's no thing that you can bring into this space that doesn't f- feel like it can be presented and this space can man- handle that and manage that. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's Very. Little, my layman's layperson's that makes sense that. and i yeah. can see that as coming through because because in order for you to deal with yourself you need to be honest with yourself yeah 100%. so that's why might as well just all be freaking honest together yeah and be like oh yeah we're all out here trying to figure it out and we're all so convoluted in so many ways yeah so i've tried to say like obviously we all know that in therapy you're going to say things that you would never ethically want your therapist to repeat anywhere yeah and it would be ethically inappropriate. Yeah. But the idea is that if you had feelings about wanting to kill someone, you, you're you able to deal with that mm-hmm. in therapy mm-hmm. and say it out loud and talk about it so, so that it doesn't happen. But it's too, it's too bad, I think, in a Christian setting especially, like we have these unmentionable things, mm-hmm. and so they can never get dealt with. Yeah, that's true. On a much smaller scale. I mean, I went to to the furthest extreme, but... Well, I mean, I don't know. It makes me think, like, I do think that I'm not someone to be like, oh, I want to kill that person. It just doesn't come out of my Mm -hmm. brain. And it's not something, maybe that's deep down, and maybe one day I'll explore that, and that will actually be something that comes up. But I I think that we have a safe space, even in our home. I like the way that, that way of thinking of, like, Anything goes, we all know this is you like do. a safe do that. space where like you can let it out and be free and like we all know like who we are and we know like the people that we are and that when we're saying things that it's like it's because I want to have the freedom to say these thoughts out loud. You I'm know? I'm I'm only just barely getting comfortable with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> In this house? In this house. Like I meaning like I've always been comfortable in the sense that like I've been sort of enamored with it. Yeah. Like, but, but I've always had a hard time participating in immersing and trusting. And so it is, it is fun to like really start to develop a trust with the whole with the vibe. Whole openness. Yeah. But, um, 
Yeah, I mean, on, on a smaller scale, if you, like for example, in my house growing up, it was inappropriate to say hate. Like, I hate you. It's yeah. Like, oh, it, we don't say hate. It's really interesting. I said hate the other day in the classroom, and someone was like, "You said a bad word," and I was like, oh, "Really? Yeah, uh, a bad but word." Actually, I don't know. Like, yeah. I don't think we should be sheltered from that word. It's not necessarily bad. Like, yeah. If I said to my mom growing up, "I hate you," and, she, and my mom was like, "What do you mean by that? Why? Why?" Let's talk about it, you know. But it was like, oh, we don't say hate, you know. And it's like, yeah. Well, whatever was trying to come up got shut down. And yeah, yeah, um, totally. Yeah. So I think Donald Winnicott especially is is using this concept of play, and it's not how we've necessarily been using it throughout this episode because I think it it can apply to all sorts of different right. elements of our life. Like right. there's the idea of getting lost in play, which could be creativity and artistic expression and sports, but in terms of psychoanalysis and I guess in terms of conversation and what I've been learning is like we can recreate the spirit of psychoanalysis wherever we want Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be strictly like I can create a container a container so to speak in a conversation with a friend and I think as a sexual type I'm very interested in doing this yeah where you can say whatever you need to say right and I'm going to be interested in it right and I don't even have to fake it because I'm actually interested in it but the whole this whole validation and structure around this idea is very appealing to me. I mean, I could say it in a selfish way in terms of like, I just want to know people. So this gives me a mechanism to know them. But if it, if it also provides a, something helpful and healthy for someone, then amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll just read this little section f- for an opportunity. I, ha- I have a few little sections that maybe we'll read and riff on, but this is his chapter. There's so much that we're not going to get into about the transitional object and stuff I like know, that. I know, I know. There's so is, much psychoanalyst going on. Yeah. So here's what he says. He says, when I come to state my thesis, I find, as so often, that it is very simple and that not, and that not many words are needed to cover the subject. Psychotherapy takes a plate. Okay, let me, let me say this again. Psychotherapy takes place in the overlap of two areas of playing. So we're following so far. Mm -hmm. That of the patient and that of the therapist. Psychotherapy has to do with two people playing together. The corollary of this is that where playing is not possible, then the work done by the therapist is directed towards bringing the patient from a state of not being able to play into a state of being able to play. It's as simple as that. Interesting. Yeah. What is what do you think he means by a state of play? Oh, it's a great question. <laughs> it's it's the it's the thing that I'm barely on the fringe of understanding and being able to articulate. But if you think of you and me talking right here, everybody Macy and I are at a table. Yep. There is a physical and metaphorical space that exists between the two of us. Mm-hmm. And everybody, I'm going to try to explain it here, and then I'm going to come back someday with a better understanding. Play part two. Everybody can go look up Winnicott and find out for yourself, but I guess you're listening in real time. But um, essentially what we're you and I are dealing with right here and right now is, again, my internal world mm-hmm. and your internal world, mm-hmm. and then the external world of our conversation. Okay. So we're trying to create a space where, and this is my words, the two can sort of merge. The internal worlds can merge. Yeah. It's appropriate for me to bring my internal world out Mm 
uh-huh. and have it validated and seen and taken seriously, maybe is the word. Okay. Not necessarily validated, but like... Serious. Yeah. Like, I can... Yeah, this has to do with this sort of early childhood thing of like the external internal object. Okay. But as it progresses into adulthood, it seems that um, there is a necessity to take the internal world seriously and have somebody, whether it's a therapist or a friend, mm-hmm. um, listen and attend to it and be able to play with that. I mean, it goes back to this idea that we were talking about even in our interview with Peter Rollins about parapraxis, like the feelings and things that are seeping out are saying something to you. Yeah. So don't dismiss them. Learn to take them seriously. And This is interesting because he's mostly, he's primarily working with children. Mm-hmm. So then that just shows up in the form of what we would like consider like call play. Yeah. But it's interesting when you think of apply that to adulthood, it may not look as much like what we would call play, but when you go to, cause you see a psychoanalyst. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Does it, but I don't do psychoanalysis meaning that's true. But I think real psychoanalysis is like three to four consecutive days in a row for a long period of time. Yeah. And then you really get to the bottom of things. I mean, my, therapist and I are always lamenting this idea that like the momentum is always lost after a week. Yeah. You know, we but can hardly it's remember. It's interesting because I would have a hard time looking at that and being like, that is play. Not that I would say it's not play, but I wouldn't look at it and play would come up as one of my words that first popped into mm. my brain. But when we see children, it shows up, I think probably in a very different way. It's probably more abstract and it is through play. Yeah. The, the, I would be very fascinated what the relationship between a psychoanalyst and the child is. Oh, yeah. I don't know about child anymore. I'm talking about probably a adult patient. But, but like the way Winnicott explains it is the way he would structure his meetings with parents and a kid who was like, I, I don't know what he, word he'd use, in trouble, mm-hmm. you know, um, not doing well or concerns, is that he would schedule me with the mother and the kid. And he would, quote unquote, play with both simultaneously. So he'd be interviewing the mother while simultaneously observing the child and how the child played with, and, and, and took up space while he was talking to the mother. Mm-hmm. So like he's talking to the mother, asking questions, a series of interview questions, and then watching out of the corner of his eye, like, how's the kid playing? What's the, kid? the kid's just in a different spot playing. And if the kid comes up and says, what's this toy? He'd stop the interview with the mom and be like, what's this? Here, why don't you try this? And then kind of in the corner of his eye, I'd be like, what's the kid doing? How's, how are they responding to this? How are they, you know, that was his way of handling it. This is, I now just want to read this book and read Oh, it's it. so interesting. Yeah. So I think. But then he would, but you would have to have like continued sessions. He does. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we're we're right at now. You and I are at the the cusp of like what we're able to could like talk about in this episode. <laughs> this is this <laughs> is know? the. I know. I I feel like I'm intrigued, and I'm fascinated. Psycho psychoanalysis is. I'm very intrigued by it, but I am also. I think it's really good, but there's part of me that's like. I don't know. I wonder about it. Well, so I think the thing that's so compelling to me, and and now we're like really taking a a big left turn into a different realm. It's like there's sports and play and rules and getting lost in creativity and 
role playing and all that with kids and stuff. And then there's this idea of psychoanalysis. Right. And I do think it's a, again, a container. You know, there, there may be a certain way to, to exist out in the world, but for psychoanalysis to work, you need to create a set of rules. Essentially. Yeah. No, it's and the rules are here. Anything goes. Yeah. All the, uh, all the things that you, all of the, uh, uh, like cultural expectations and rules and morality, it's all out the window here. You can say anything in order for it to work. You need to feel comfortable. Yeah. Like, which s- is I screaming mean, out. I hate you. Even to the analysis an analyst. And you're like, that's okay here. You can say that. Yeah. You know, here you can say that. In other, in all other parts of society, you're not allowed to. Yeah. You know, but um, I can see how it it can be described as play. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it really defend de- like depends on our definition of play, right? I know, which is probably a very loose definition of play. <laughs> um, I'm getting there. Well, I'm <laughs> hardly there. I'm, I mean, I don't quite. Um, I just crease. I just creased a few other little places just like to give us a space to converse. But um, okay, so let's just see. I'll read this and see what we can do with it. He says, "I can now restate what I'm trying to convey. I want to draw attention away from the sequence psychoanalysis psychotherapy play materially playing, and to set this up again the other way around. In other words, it is play that is the universal, and that which belongs to health." Playing facilitates growth and therefore health. Playing leads into group relationships. Playing can be a form of communication and psychotherapy. And lastly, psychoanalysis has been developed as a highly specialized form of playing in the service of communication with oneself and others. Hmm. The natural thing is playing, and the highly sophisticated 20th century phenomenon is psychoanalysis. <laughs> I I am like completely confused what his definition of play is then. I know this is so good I that you're think saying I'm that. Confused. It's so good that you're saying that because I'm slightly confused and the only thing that I can do is something that's been reading this this week. It's something that sort of swims in these waters lightly and hasn't been formally trained <laughs> is I keep, I'll say it again. We're we're talking about the idea of, of creating container. Yes. You can talk about it with this podcast. Talking about the idea of you, like you and Matthew going out for coffee, we're creating a container where, and this again, this involves a lack of a description of a ba- a bunch of fun f- foundational principles. Yeah, the, all of the societal, um, uh, constraints, yeah, are put to the side. I get that. Yeah, there's no... I get that, but I've never said that that was how I define play. Uh, what define play And as. I think that's how he's defining play. Right. Like, it's I imagination. Think... It's like it's like this thing with your kids where well, it's like, I... we're creating a space where this is real, a new reality yeah. where a snake can come in. I can see that. I'm not fully, I'm not fully sold on that definition. Oh, well, you don't have to be fully sold in order to understand it. No, and I, I kind of understand it, but I, it's taking me a bit to get there. And I can see it's like you play a soccer game. You are putting the rules of society to the side, kind of. But Ultimately, all the way, because those, those rules don't exist outside of that structure. That's not true. If I 
And you, <laughs> even in the psychoanalytic field, that's not necessarily true. Like, if I murdered you, if I killed you, like, you're you're never going to escape the rules of society because you would be, like, in trouble. Like, if I'm playing soccer, I'm still pertaining to the rules of society. Like, I'm still thinking about, like, those the ways I, like, if I respond when I score a goal, am I showing off too much with my excitement? Should I not be too quiet about my excitement? That's going on in my head. Those rules are still applying. But the rules to the game and, and the creation of soccer came out of an imagination. That's true. I agree. Yeah. So for that to arise and to exist, there needed to be space to allow it to happen. Yes. Yeah. So that's, that's the idea of play. Okay. <laughs> I just think I'm confused how he's saying psychoanalysis is play. I'm not saying it's not, but it seems like he's defining like this as the ultimate play. I'm trying to take a person seriously who's done this their whole life. I don't know. I mean, I don't know either. I think I'm mostly just confused. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. I'm confused too. That's the sad thing about this whole thing. Like, I'm not somebody that represents Winnicott and has the absolute solution. I mean, maybe in terms of my understanding of it is, I mean, do you, so, so here, here's another way of understanding it. Like we have an un, internal world yep. that to a certain extent for our own personal self is more real than the external world Yes. for ourself. Okay. Does that make sense? It does make sense. To me. Like I have feelings, memories, thoughts, right. realities our that, internal, are, yes. that are all there that are, every day constantly, almost exclusively trying to conform to an outer reality that may or may not merge well with my inner reality, mm -hmm. you know? And so he's saying, I think, and somebody could be listening to this and be like, he does not understand when it got, <laughs> or psychoanalysis. <laughs> um, we need to create a space where those thoughts and feelings are taken very seriously. I agree. Like I have this, sense i have this memory i have this feeling i have the sensation i have a dream it's like well that dream isn't real like what's real is you woke up this morning at 6 a.m you got to get to work it's like but i had this dream that i was flying ah that's not real it's like that dream is as real as anything who's you telling you that it's not real almost everybody everywhere <laughs> you know what i mean like we don't we don't allow these this we don't allow the internal world to be taken seriously. So in terms of play, I can come into a, in a psychoanalysis situation and be like, I mean, it, it seems, and I've never experienced this, but the most extreme situations is like, like I even posted about this on our Instagram, like hysterics. Like right. I'm feeling like screaming. I'm feeling like cussing out my psychoanalysis. Yeah. Like I'm feeling like, the world is coming to an end. Well, the world isn't actually coming to an end. Look at what's happening. It's like, no, no, but that's that's the internal world. Like I'm having images of the You're world exploding yeah. and fire. It's like fire. And that's what do like you mean? what's leaking out in play. And this is like in some way, this is just letting it all be out and Yeah, and playing with it of like I mean, if you if you were to say that, I mean, in my understanding too, is like the analyst is supposed to provide a space where they are out of the way, mm -hmm. you know, they're supposed to take everything you say very seriously. So it's not like, well, let me tell you what, why you're feeling that and why you're thinking that I'm going to remain calm. And, um, I mean, Winnicott was also talking about this idea of like, 
if if somebody's coming into a therapeutic session with this baggage of always needing to please someone. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm now I'm recreating that situation with the analyst. Like, look at all the good work I've been doing in my therapy. Aren't you proud? And the analyst goes, you've been doing so great. And they're like, oh, good. So you're just mm-hmm. recreating the situation they're in everywhere mm-hmm. else. And they're not really growing. But the analyst would do something different. You got to say, to say, I've been growing so much in therapy. And the analyst goes, oh, interesting. What, why do you think that? You know? Yeah. Well, because of this. Hmm. Okay. How does that make you feel? You know, it's just like continuing to sort of remain neutral almost. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is what it is. You don't like that? You want somebody to be like, good job? No, I do like that. I, this all just is, I, I think I need to have my own experience with this in read it myself if mm-hmm. that makes sense. I It does make sense. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> this makes I I understand that as being what a psychoanalyst job is is to do that and I think that that's good and I I'm I just think that this I this is giving me a different way to think about play. It it gives you a twist on what you think of psychoanalysis. Maybe okay. Is this is this is okay? A question that okay. I do have is Winnicott is Winnicott saying that this play is different than psycho and psychoanalysis, or it is. Again, I'm 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 not the best interpreter of this. I'm I'm trying to guess. Maybe describe something that was exciting to me, but that is beyond my grasp, so to speak. But what I was reading was exciting. Yeah, And maybe it's something that I continue to be interested in recreating in my daily life. I personally, I could say it this way, and you don't have to agree with this. I personally would love to create a container in conversations with people that I care about where people can say what they need to say. I think so. I feel like you do. I feel like we, I feel like I, and maybe I think you do too. We have spaces where this is happening outside of psycho analysis yeah but Maybe I, that's what's tying me up is this idea of like psychoanalysis having to be this one thing and being like oh all these days in a row it's like i think that the work of psychoanalysis can happen in our daily lives with our people around us well that's the whole point of this conversation yeah that's the whole point it's like Ugh. that's the whole point of everything i've been saying about peter rollins and everything it's like peter rollins whole work is saying we can take the spirit of psychoanalysis and apply it to worship and conversations and daily interactions yeah and yeah. of course maybe there's something significant and special and unique about that, that only that happens, happens that's very specific but we can container. still take yeah gosh <laughs> my brain is being weird right now <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i i will say having done therapy now and and I continue to do it I am aware of where I'd like to be and the work I have to do to get there yeah meaning I watch the guy who I meet with every week and I watch he has he has like a master level skill I don't know what word you want to use like he's so present he's so neutral and 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 I think most if any if any sort of psychoanalysis psychoanalyst was listening, they'd be like, "Well, you're not supposed to remain neutral. Like we're essentially supposed to use our dynamic right. to drive the session." 
So it's not like he's neutral, but he's he takes me so seriously. Yeah. So I think in general, maybe I'm a little, uh, uh, because it's something that I care about, I, I perhaps might be slightly better than the average Joe, average Jane, <laughs> at like listening to people or creating container. Yeah. But I know I have massive ticks that show despite my desire to listen, I'm twitching, I'm staring off, I'm being fidgety, I'm slightly pushing back. The tone of my voice is conveying or revealing that I actually disagree rather than really creating a space where I, I give so much space to that person's thoughts and feelings. Because the idea is that yeah, but that's really they, no, they're but not even is... in touch. They're not even in touch. They don't know. Who? The... the person being analyzed, like the person that's in therapy. Well, okay, but that's really interesting. Okay. That's fascinating you describing the psychoanalyst of having maybe psychoanalyst, whatever, doing this work of holding that space for that person to be whatever. Because then the psychoanalyst is doing all this work on their own of remaining neutral, whatever, heavy mm. quotes of whatever neutral is. Like they themselves are hiding and having to do all these things to protect their ego self in that situation so yeah. that the other person can be out. Like it's what would happen if both were in that like well that's why i say it sounds like play again i again i have to say i am not in any way speaking as a trained professional or anybody who's even done <laughs> i'm reading books but it, it sounds to me that like it is a it is play like sometimes the therapist has to say hey right now i have to pretend to be the mother that you happens know? it sounds like it and, oh. and scold the patient. See, I that that to me that makes it all make so much more sense to me. Right. Than just yeah. plain neutral. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's play. I think sometimes it's like the analyst has to introduce a thought very strategically. I mean, Winnicott talks about this. Like after listening to this and this and this, I very slowly thought now is the time to introduce that thought and to see what happens. But it was yeah. a risk and I introduced it and here's what happened and Okay, um. that uh, <laughs> I don't know why my brain really got blocked for a second. <laughs> I don't know. That's so interesting, sorry, though. Right? World. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. Any other thoughts? No. <laughs> we will a hundred percent be back on this topic, and we'll have I'll have more thoughts. Got a lot more thoughts about playing when I got in. Just other thoughts on play. <laughs>